0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc.
1: Today we're kicking off a brand new series, a very, very important series that we are calling Relation all relation, all and the uh, the title of the series is a little bit of a play on words to emphasize the fact that we all have relationships that we all have to manage. Okay, and God has a design for all of the relationships in our life. So that's where we're going to be over the next few weeks together. I want to go ahead and start with a couple of phrases to really set the tone for the day, but also to set the tone for the whole series. And so, men, take these in. Um, When our relationships are lived under God's design, they will also be under God's blessing. When our relationships are lived outside of God's design, they will be chaotic and destructive. I'm going to say that one more time, again, to set the pace for today, but also for the whole series. When our relationships are lived under God's design, they will be under God's blessing. But when our relationships are lived outside of God's design, they will be chaotic and destructive. And I'm here to tell you today that God has a design for all of the relationships in our life, every single one of them. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about marriage and parenting and family. We're even going to talk about work relationships. A lot of us have those to manage. Um, but we're not going to do it from my opinion. Uh, we're going to do it from God's Word. And so if you have a copy of Scripture, go with me. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. That's New Testament, second half of your Bible. If you've got a hard or digital copy of Scripture, I'm going to encourage you to be in it. Take some notes. Um, scripture will be on the screen as well so that you can follow along um, with me here in the space. If you've been with us since the beginning of the year or any point in 2023, you know we started in Colossians like beginning of the year. Uh, we took a one-week break last week for Easter, but we're back in. So we're just, I'm just picking right back up where I left off two weeks ago. And uh, verse 18 of Colossians 3 is where we're going to start today. Just two verses, a lot of truth in there. And in those verses today... We're going to talk about how God has a design for the marriage relationship, okay? The marriage relationship. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Before I dive into God's design for marriage, I want to talk to all the single people in the house, all right? I know you thought I forgot about you this week, but guess what? I man? honestly, uh, I thought about you as much this week as I did about any married couple um, in our spiritual family. So here's what I want you to hear today, okay? Singles, lean in, take notes. This is your moment. God has a design for your single life, too. Write that down. God has a design for your single life, too. The reality is there's a lot of people who think, well, God's purpose for me is to be married, or it'll really come to life when I get married. And I'm just telling you, maybe that's one day for you, but I'm telling you that God has a design and he has a purpose for your single life right now. And I would go so far as to say this to somebody today. Sometimes God can use you more in your singleness than he can if you were married. If that don't make sense, maybe you need to ask some married folk. All right? God has a design and purpose for your single life. And here's the deal. I would hate for you to miss that season because you're trying to rush what you think is next. God has a design for your life. However... I realize there's a lot of single folks, and your desire is, man, I'd love to get married. Nothing wrong with having that desire. Here's what I want you to know. Work on being the one more than trying to find the one. Somebody might need a screenshot that. Work on being the one singles more than trying to find the one. The reality is God isn't going to give you what you are not ready for. If my 10-year-old son came to me today and he said, hey, Dad, why don't you give me the keys? I'd love to take the car out for a spin on I-20. I'm just telling you, as his dad, I ain't giving him the keys, all right? Ain't no way I'm giving him, why? Because I'm his dad, uh, because I love him, because I know he's not ready. And I'm telling you in the same way, singles, God is your heavenly father. He knows you. He created you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. And guess what? He's not going to give you what you are not ready for and I'm telling you there are a lot of singles who are not preparing themselves to be ready And maybe God as a good father is waiting on you to prepare yourself to be ready now Listen to me. You can rush it and force it if you want to and there's a lot of people who have but guess what? It won't be it won't be under his design and it won't have his blessing And then I'm telling you that today because I love you. All right, and then I want you to know what God's best is for your life If you're single, but you have the desire to be married. Here's my advice for you today You ready? Stop spending so much time swiping right and spend more time trying to be the person that God has created and called you to be. What does that mean? Well, let me take a shot at some things. Single people pursue Jesus in a personal and public relationship. Plug into a local church. Serve. Get in God's word personally. Get in a small group. Work hard at your job. Do all those things faithfully and obediently to God. And then look over and see if there's somebody from the opposite gender who's doing the same thing. And then you say, God... Would you want me to partner my life with theirs? And it'll save you a whole lot of heartache in the journey. If you don't believe me, ask some married folk. God has a design and a purpose for you. Now, I got a special section here for all the single ladies, okay? We well, sing it right here. All the single ladies. All, all right, you got to sing it. <laughs> Listen, I know that this, what I'm delivering to you, could be really difficult for you because when that guy at your office... When that guy that you see at the dating, on the dating website, or when that guy who drops into your DMs, listen to me, and he starts wooing you, and he winks at you, and he says the things that you want him to say, and he buys you gifts, and he buys you flowers, and he takes you for a steak dinner, and he makes your heart go pitter-patter, all right? And it creates that belonging and that acceptance that you have longed for, listen to me, that you long for, listen to me. I'm giving you a word of warning today, okay? But then at the same time, he makes excuses on why church isn't really a big deal or why pursuing Jesus isn't really a higher priority in his life. Listen to me, ladies. Listen to me. A man who fails to worship publicly will most every single time be a man who fails to lead privately. If you don't believe me, come see me, and I'll just share you story after story after story. And my heart is your pastor. All right, as you long for a man to link your life with, my heart is your pastor, is to, for you to guard your heart. That God created you for purposes. All right, and your chief purpose is to know Him, and He wants you to have a man who walks and knows Him. So if he's not pursuing Jesus personally in his single life, listen to me. As a married man, it probably ain't gonna change. It's gonna get worse when he says I do. Guard your heart. Now I want to say this: if you're single again maybe because of a divorce or because of loss, especially if it's divorce, whether you chose it or not. My greatest advice to you that I gave to a man this week who's single again this week is this. Do not, do not do it alone. Do not do it alone. Listen to me. If the enemy can get you in isolation, he can wear you out. God created you to walk with others. I didn't say this season was easy, but I'm saying that he loves you and he has purposes and he has plans for your life But god's called you to walk with others He's called you to have others who hold you up and for many of you that means being connected to a spiritual community that can love you and link arms with you and pray for you and walk with you And i'm just saying that if god leads you here, man, we want to be that for you We want to be that for you, but do not do it alone. God has a purpose for your life You hear me single folks? God has a, it's, not, it's not an accident. He didn't forget about you. Today, as I talk about married folks, he didn't forget about you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants to use you. Now, before I dive into the verses on marriage, let me preface this by just saying out front today, okay? I've been married to my wife, Heather, for 14 years, all right? And I, as your pastor, don't have it all figured out, all right? Uh, stay with me. Uh, I, I outkicked my coverage by a lot. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you fellas, I've seen you. You did too, all right? (laughs) Apart from salvation, my wife is the greatest earthly gift that I have, and she gives me more grace and more love and more compassion and more chances than this old boy will ever deserve, okay? She's a great and good gift in my life. And 14 years into it, we're still learning to love each other every day, okay? But you know what we have found? God has a purpose. He has a design. And his way is better. Every day, all day, seven days, a week, twice on Sunday. His way is better. And today, if you hear passion in my voice, man, if if it feels like I'm mad, listen to me, I ain't mad. I'm mad at the enemy right now. I'm pretty ticked at the enemy right now. But I know that our God is victorious and he has a better way. And I'm going to do my best to communicate that to you today. And I want you to feel that, receive that, and walk in that. Okay? That's where this is coming from today. Now, Let's read our two verses. We'll start talking about them. Colossians 3, verse 18. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I'm going to come back to the breakdown of those verses, but I just want you to see the first two words. What did he say? Wives and husbands. Here's what I'm saying to you. God, through his word, gives very specific instructions to wives and husbands. So just to be clear today, um, that's how the creator defines marriage. So that's how we as a church also define marriage. Okay? Marriage is this. You'll see it on the screen. Marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman with God at the center. Period. Marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman with God at the center. Period. Think about this today, all right? What if I went to the company or the individuals, whoever, who made my car, who who created my car that I drove in here today? And I said, hey, guys, great job putting the car together. Thanks for selling it to me. Love the car, all right? And I know that you guys designed this car for the wheels to go on the ground and for the steering wheel to be up front on that left seat, Um, but I really feel that it's more my style, all right, Um, for the wheels to go on the roof and the steering wheel, I'm going to just kind of relocate it somewhere to the second or third row. That's just kind of what I feel. That's what what works better for me. I like that a little more. What do you think that company is going to say to me? Well, first they're going to laugh me out of the office, all right? But then they're going to say this. Hey, listen, it's your car now. I guess you can do whatever you want to do to it. But I'm telling you, if you do that, that's not the way that it was designed and created to work. So therefore, it's not going to work efficiently. Um, it's probably going to become a safety hazard at some point. And also that means that because you've changed the design of it, it's no longer going to be under the warranty and the protection of our company who created it. You with me? Our world and our culture, okay, can take marriage and redefine it or recreate it in however many ways that we want to. And we're trying right now, right? But I'm telling you, that God is the creator of it, says you can do it all you want to, but it won't be efficient. It will ultimately be harmful and destructive in the end, and it will be outside of his protection and his blessing as the one who created it. Marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman with God at the center. So let me make that even more clear. This means marriage is not between two people Of the same gender now let me say this if you hear me say that and you're struggling with questions or wrestles in your own life due to some of those thoughts and feelings right there hear me as the pastor of the exchange say to you okay that we will love you and we will care for you and we'll do everything that we can to help you but at the end of the day our desire is that you would know and that you would walk in and experience God's design for that relationship in your life. Well, that sounds a little bit like you trying to be legalistic and box me in. Why would you do that? Well, because we know that under his design is where his blessing is. And we love you enough, we want you to know that. Marriage is a covenant between one man, one woman, and one God at the center. What does that also mean? Well, you ready? That also means that two people living together, sleeping together, and acting like they're married but who are not married is also not God's design. Now, I know that's what our culture says, and not just everybody does it that way. Kick the tires before you buy the car, right? That's what we think, and it's it's supposedly acceptable. Well, I'm just telling you today because I love you, not because I'm mad at you, because I love you, God can't bless that. He can't bless it. He's the creator. He's the designer. He can't bless it. He created sexual intimacy to be shared within the confines of a marriage relationship. And anything outside of that is outside of his design. And what did we say at the top today? It causes chaos and destruction in the end. Trust me, I'll give you some stories. God didn't design us to play marriage, but he instructed us to covenant into marriage. Okay? God created marriage As a covenant between one man and one woman with God at the center. And I intentionally use the word covenant because, hear me, okay, Um, I do, and covenanting into marriage is not the same as a junior high or high school dating relationship where you just change the status on Facebook and it's over. No, there's weight, hear me, there's weight to the covenant. Why? Because it's a representation of God's creation and the way that he created things to be. Now, there's also an end phrase to that statement I've been using. All right. God created it, one man, one woman, in covenant with God at the center. Listen to me, the building block of the whole shoot and shebang. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, listen to me. If you're married or you're thinking about getting married, or you want to get married, or you're engaged, listen to me. Here's where it starts, okay? With God at the center of the man's life and the woman's life. Listen, I didn't say a segment. I didn't say, do they know how to put up the Sunday front and show up on Easter and Christmas? Bleh. I'm saying, is he, is he the encompassing center Of their life that shapes and forms everything they do you want to know how I start every single pre-marriage counseling Session with the man and the woman. Hey, tell me about you and jesus sir Tell me about you and jesus ma'am No, i'm not talking about what church do you go to i'm talking about is jesus the source of life for you Because hear me if you're doing it any other way It's outside of his design and what did that get us chaos and destruction Okay Marriage is a covenant between one man one woman in a relationship with god at the center. Now, let's look at what God's Word says for the roles in Colossians 3, 18 and 19. You ready? Colossians 3:18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, let's be clear today. I'm starting with wives because that's where scripture starts, okay? You tracking with me? That's it. Point blank reason number one through 30 is it, all right? Now, I'm well aware what this command says that you see on the screen. I'm well aware this command for wives to submit, uh, not a real popular one right now, right? Not a real um, idea in our culture that a lot of people want to gravitate to. So here's my role today, all right? My role is not to tell you what is and what's not. My role is to just try to explain to you what I think God's Word is saying to us. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit take it from there. You ready? First, I think it's important to see that Paul, who wrote Colossians that we're reading, Also is the same Paul who wrote Ephesians two books before, and guess what he also talked about in that letter? Marriage. Apparently a lot of people needed the teaching. And at the beginning of that teaching, do you know what Paul wrote? Ephesians 5.21. This is the beginning of Ephesians' teaching on marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He starts his teaching on marriage, and he starts it with these words. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's how I'm reading that. Submission is ultimately essential for both sides in a marriage relationship that lasts. I don't know if that's what you're into today, but that's what we're striving for at my house. So there are two parts of submission if I read that right. You ready? The first is submit to one another. In other words, in marriage, it's a two-way relationship. There's two-way submission where both sides are giving and taking for it to work. So he says submit to one another, but he says the only way you submit to one another in a marriage relationship is you must first, if I'm reading verse 21, it says you must first submit to Christ. Or let's put it this way. Um, submission to Christ positions us for submission to one another. You might re- want to write that part down. Submission to Christ first, then positions us, prepares us for submission to one another that may be a little bit harder, okay? Two parts of that submission. Again, if God isn't the center, it ain't gonna make sense, okay? When he's the center, it shapes us and changes us. Now, Colossians that we're reading today does specifically say wives submit to your husbands. So what does that mean in a 2023 PC culture? What does that mean? Well, let's try to break it down. The ancient Greek word translated submit is essentially a word borrowed from the, li- from the military. It literally means this. It means to be under in rank. Okay, I think we all understand whether you're military or not. In the military, there are levels of rank, correct? All of the roles, hear me, ladies. All of the roles and levels are important, but there are levels to do what? To create Order. The idea of submission doesn't have to do with someone being smarter or better or more talented, but it has to do with a God-appointed order. Submission is not about value or ability, but it is about order. Paul writes about the equality of men and women. If you're questioning where he is, listen to this. In Galatians, Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, here's what Paul wrote. He says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So ladies, catch me. Paul isn't saying women are less important than men. That's not what he's saying. No, Paul is saying wives submitting to husbands is God's designed order for the marriage relationship. Now, Colossians also says wives submit to your husband. Why did he write it that way? Well, I think this defines the sphere of a wife's submission. To who? To her own husband. Scripture is not saying here a general submission of all women to all men. In fact, if you read Scripture, there are really two spheres where this is highlighted and taught. That's within the home and within the church. And God has purposes for that. Verse 18 also said, wives submit to your own husbands. And what was that last phrase in the NIV? Do you remember? As is fitting in the lord why did he put that well that phrase defines the wife's motive in her submission in other words paul is saying wives submit to your husbands because it's part of your response of obedience to the lord as you submit to him you know i mean it's it's just part of the obedience of walking it out again ladies do not miss this because you're already getting uptight with me i know if you don't first submit to Christ daily, you will never understand what the word's trying to say about submitting to your husband. Don't try to do block 2 before you do block 1. Submission only makes sense when you're doing marriage in the what is the phrase? in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. In other words, the world doesn't understand biblical submission. Why? Because they're not functioning under the biblical design, and thus we're getting the marriage results that we're getting. All right. Your girlfriend at the office who can't stand her husband and has all the thoughts about what you should do with your husband, listen to me, there's a good chance she ain't functioning up under the biblical design. You with me? The world doesn't get biblical submission. Why? Because it's not submitted to Christ first. This means, ladies, here we go, all the single ladies, perk back up. You ready? This means, ladies, you should take great care in how you choose your man. If this is part of your God-given call as a wife, then you have to take this into account, not when you say, I do, but guess what? When you start saying, I'll date you, that's when it starts if the man you are dating right now isn't worth following because of the life he lives the way he speaks to you or how he treats you guess what it's going to be really really hard to biblically submit to him when you say i do and brothers if that's you i'm sorry i'm just speaking what's true and i'm trying to save some girls who may be walking down a dark pathway listen to me Ladies, before you look for an attractive man or a wealthy man or romantic man or whatever your list is, I would encourage you to look for a man that you can respect. A man that you can follow, okay? Because that goes first. Now, as in every human relationship, the command to submit is not absolute, okay? There are some ladies, and you need to hear this part. The command to submit is not absolute. There are exceptions when the wife should not submit to her husband. Hear me, ladies, when the husband asks the wife to sin and to live in that sin, she should not submit. When the husband is under the influence of mind-altering substances, whatever that is, you're not called to submit. If a husband is violent or threatening or abusive, I'm telling you I'm sorry, I'm asking you to seek help, and I'm telling you God is not calling you to submit up under that. And if the husband breaks the marriage covenant by adultery, the wife does not need to submit to her husband being in that kind of relationship. Wives, Scripture gives a clear, but sometimes very difficult, let's be honest, very difficult call to submit to your husbands. Why would God call you to that? Because it's a picture of obedience to submission to Christ. And listen to me, married ladies, because your husband that God has given to you, listen to me, he needs your support. He needs you. And I know he may not have said that to you. He don't know how to say that probably. But I'm telling you that he needs you. In Genesis, God created Adam. And what did he say? It ain't good for Adam to be alone. And he created what? He created a helpmate for him. Wives, hear me. God has created you and he's called you. How about that? He's called you to be a helpmate for your man, to lift him up, to pray for him, to encourage him, to do your best to respect him even when it's not easy. Listen to me. And to love him in such a way that you encourage him to lead you and to lead your kids and your grandkids and your family in a godly way. Is he going to do it perfect? No, he's probably not. But I'm telling you, if you're slowing him down and rather than encouraging him and helping him, it's going to be a struggle. Hear me in this. Okay, hear me in this. Ladies, there's a little secret that your man won't tell you. Okay, because he's got that big tough front out here that never cries. Listen to me. Listen. He wants to know, do you approve? There's a little boy inside all of us guys, no matter how big and gruff and tough we think we are, there's a little boy inside. You know what he wants to know? He wants to know, does he still have it? Is, Is he still the man? Do you still view him that way? Do you come around him? Do you respect him? Do you believe in him? And God's giving you a call, it's a weighty call to help answer that question, okay? That's part of how you love him. I didn't say it was easy, but I said that's part of your obedience to Christ that you would then do that inside of the marriage relationship. Now I have to ask you this question. This may get up in your business, okay? But today I don't really care, all right? <laughs> Ladies, let me ask you, listen to me, I mean this. Let me ask you who and what is speaking most into your life about your view of your husband and your marriage something is who and what is speaking most into your life about how you view your husband and how you view your marriage is it TikTok and Facebook because a lot of us spend a whole lot of more time scrolling there than anywhere else is it whatever favorite show you love to binge on Netflix can I just remind you they are actors and there's a script Is it your girlfriend at the office who loves to give her opinion whether you ask for it or not and she's telling you what you should do? Or is, or is consistently, continually God's word and wise spiritual counsel, is that what's shaping how you view your man in your marriage? You go, why does it matter? Well, here's why. If you are only listening to the wisdom of the world, guess what you'll get? Worldly results. But if when you seek the wisdom of God, you know what you'll get? the design and blessings of God. I didn't say it'll all be roses and cupcakes, but I'm telling you that you're functioning up under the creator who made it all and who sustains it all, and he's the only one who can truly bless it to be up under his design. So I'm asking you real life, what's, what's influencing you most? Okay, because if it ain't God in his word, then you might need to recal- recalibrate. Okay? Wives, listen to me, there's a weighty call. Wait, I'm not trying to make it sound easy today. Okay? There's a weighty call. To submit to your husbands. Why? As is fitting in the Lord. I'm following him first. Therefore, I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to persevere in this. I'm going to keep up in this. I'm not giving up in this. Okay? Now, ladies, I don't need your elbow or your help. Husbands, listen to me. We've got to give them something worth following. We've got to give them something worth submitting to. And I know how you all felt when I was just talking to your wife. Now i us, just us boys, okay? Now listen to me. We got a call to lead out. 50% of the battle, or I'm going to say more because God called us to be the leader, so we take a little bit more of the pie. It's us, all right, me and you. And Remember, I ain't got it all figured out, but I'm in this to grow with you. I'm in this to make this last with you. I'm tired of seeing it go the other way. I ain't into that. God has a design. So let's see. What does the word say to us? You ready? Buckle up, fellas. Here we go. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them, okay? Husbands, what does it mean to love your wife? You've heard that a million times. You stood at the altar or the, wherever you stood, the ivy, whatever your venue, was, and you said, I love my wife, okay? What does that really mean? Well, culture will tell you what it means, right? You can watch a show, watch a movie, listen to music, all right? Uh, what is, is her name? Percy Sledge and Michael Bolton. They told you what they thought. When a man loves a woman, right? That's why Josh has the guitar. I have the Bible, all right? (laughs) I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Like You you try to sing it to her. You played it in the car in your pickup truck. Is, Is that what God's love threw you to your wife? Is that what it looks like? Well, let's talk about the word. Here we go. The original word here speaks of the original Greek agape love. That's what it meant when Paul said husbands love your wife. What is agape love? Here we go. Agape love is not affectionate or romantic attachment, but it speaks of a caring love that shows a deliberate attitude and concern toward the well-being of the one that they love. Let me take you to school real quick. Phileo love, another Greek kind of love, it is a give-and-take kind of love. Eros love is an all-take kind of love. Agape love, you ready? It's the third one. It's an all give kind of love. So our world would read Colossians 3, 19, and we read it like this. Hey, husbands, um, be nice to your wife. Husbands, hey, be kind to your wife. Now listen to me. In some of our marriage relationships, that'd be a big step forward. But here's what Paul's saying. Here's what he's really saying. Husbands, continually practice self-denial for the sake of your wife. And for most of us, old boys, that's a whole new definition of love. Agape love means this. It means love without changing. It's love without demanding repayment. It's a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable and the unappealing. Agape love is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Those are some weighty statements, guys about this call to love our wife but listen to me just like with the wives you will never love your wife in your own power let me say it again a little louder for the fellows in the back Right? you will never love your wife in your own power will not happen you will never be able to love your wife in your own power if you aren't in love with Jesus you can't truly be in love with your wife when Heather and I got married 14 years ago Um, we decided to give each other a wedding present. And so the present that I guess God prompted me or led me to give uh, wasn't super creative. I'm not big-time creative, but it was what God was trying to teach me as I was becoming a husband um, through 1 Corinthians 13. If you've read the Bible, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And so God led me to take the love chapter and to kind of add on and expand it and clarify um, for me. So this is my wedding gift to my wife right here. All right, wrote a little sweet note on the back. No, you can't read it. Um, <laughs> this is what I wrote. I'm just going to read it right off the frame. Okay, so I, I like, wrote each phrase from 1 Corinthians 13, and then I put my own definition or my own expansion on that to call myself to it. Um, it says, Love is not patient, meaning it does not rush. Love is kind, it goes out of its way. Love does not envy, it values others. Love does not boast, it only takes pride in the object of its affection. Love is not proud, it is humble. Love is not rude, it shows respect. Love is not self-seeking. It always places others first. That's agape love. Love is not easily angered. It seeks happiness. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It always forgives. Love does not delight in evil, but it actually pursues righteousness. Love rejoices with the truth, meaning it's always, always honest. Love always protects, meaning it always looks out for others. Love always trusts. It always believes in others. Love always hopes. It always looks for the positives, and the last phrase is, love always perseveres, to which I wrote, it never gives up. And for the last 14 years of our married relationship, this frame right here has hung on the bedroom wall in the bedroom in whatever house we've lived in. Now, I'd love to stand here and tell you that I've been nailing it for 14 years, got all these right, all day, every day. But then I'd have to repent for lying. (laughs) No, God's shaping me; He's teaching me. And there have been a lot of moments in 14 years where your boys dropped the ball, okay? And I've not loved with a full agape love. But you know what? even as I read that to you, 14 years later, you know what? You know what tells me? Um, It's what I'm called to. Um, It's what she deserves. Uh, It's what honors God. But it also tells me I can't do it alone. Can't do it by myself. Cannot do it in my own power. I'll never love her. I'll never love her like this in my own power. Ultimately, hear me, guys. I am no more in love with my wife than I am in love with Jesus. The level of my love for Jesus will always dictate the level of love that I can give to my wife. All day, every day. So husbands, let me ask you the same application questions and how I talk to myself, okay? i say, Brian, how in love with Jesus are you, really? Like nobody else knows, just you and the Lord, okay? So husbands, I'm going to ask you some of the same questions. How much are you, this is, this is how I love Jesus, okay? How much are you pursuing Jesus personally through diving into scripture and letting it teach you the character and the love of God so that you can then show it to your wife? Um, how much are you surrounding yourself with other brothers in Christ to hold you accountable and help you grow? Because I can't do it by myself. How much are you communicating with God in prayer and expressing your gratitude to him in worship, real men worship? How much are you serving and living in generosity because he served and he gave first to you? Guys, husbands, a man who is passionately in love with Jesus can't help but also to be passionately in love with with his wife just how it works why's that because huh? he designed it that way wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord husbands love your wife as the Lord has loved you but but what if you wake up one day and you don't feel the love What happens one day when suddenly you think, where'd the intimacy go? Uh, Where's the adventure from when we were dating? Where's the romance from when he used to woo me and buy me things and write me notes? What do you do then? Because chances are that's real. What happens? Well, very simply, more times than not, if you look at it, it kind of goes back down to the roots that somewhere, listen to me, somewhere along the way, We got our priorities out of line. And we stopped pursuing Jesus first and one another. Now think about it with me. You ready? Think about it with me. Is there any other area of your life where you can be lazy and see improvement? (laughs) Right? Like with your body, okay? Can you like not work out and eat whatever you want and then be in shape? hadn't found that diet plan. Or with your business that you own or that you help run or you help manage? Can you, like, not really monitor the finances and hire whoever you want, not really keep them accountable? No, probably not going to work that way. Or springtime, what about with your yard, right? Can you not water it and not fertilize it and then hope it looks green and great? No, it's probably going to get weeds, which is why I've heard, what, if somebody else's yard looks greener, what do you need to do? Water your own yard. Couples, here's what I'm saying to you. Listen to me loud and clear. Marriage isn't easy. Marriage is not easy. If you tried to sign up for easy, you might have signed the wrong contract. Listen, marriage is taking two broken sinners and joining them together as one to share a home, a bedroom, a bank account, children, chores, daily activities, emotions, and all of that. How well do you think that's going to go every day? It ain't. There's going to be moments of chaos and difficulty and conflict, but that doesn't mean that we give up. That don't mean we throw in the towel. We're at a point in culture, guys, where we've taken those marriage vows that your grandparents quoted or that you heard your friends say, where they say, until death do us part, and we've twisted it to go, until it gets difficult, and then we part. And I'm just saying, that ain't how the covenant works. God loved you and he created you and he put you together for a purpose. And as far as I can see in scripture, guys, the only grounds for biblical divorce is if a spouse is unfaithful. And I've seen stories where God's taken and redeemed and healed those relationships and kept them together. And I'm saying today that we don't get to call it quits if your spouse just gets on your nerves. We don't get to call it quits if your spouse doesn't do all the things that you expect that you probably haven't even told them. We don't get to call it quits if your spouse just doesn't make you happy anymore. Marriage takes work, and marriage matters. In married couples, you were married, hear me, you were married on purpose for a purpose, not by accident, if you said, I do, and you felt God was ordaining it, he created you and he put you together for a purpose. And it's shaping you and it's shaping your spouse. Some of the best advice, perhaps the best advice that Heather and I heard is we we're getting ready to be married at our wedding is somebody stood up at our rehearsal dinner and they said, marriage, God didn't create marriage primarily to make you happy, but he primarily created and gave you marriage to make you holy. That changes how the culture sees it. Listen to me, God is using your marriage to shape your heart and your mind and your perspective and your flesh to be more like Jesus. And I'd be lying to you today if I said that sanctification is an easy, always pleasant process, because it ain't. But can I tell you what it is? Always worth it. Always worth it. He created you, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he created you and called you to grow in Christ's likeness. Maybe he's using your marriage to make that happen. And guess what that means? It ain't always going to be easy, but it means this, your marriage is worth fighting for. And somebody needs to hear that today. Your marriage is worth fighting for. God has a purpose for you and your spouse together, but listen to me, you cannot do it alone. God must be where. At the center, at the core, at the foundation. Why does that matter? You're the preacher. You have to say that. No, I'm just telling you as a 14-year married man who's made lots of mistakes along the way that the only way it works is when I build my life on him and she builds her life on him and then we together stand on him. Why does that matter? Because then he becomes the source of the respect. He becomes the source of the grace that she gives me. He becomes the source of the love that I don't have that I need to give to her. He becomes the source of submission to one another and to Christ. He becomes the source of the mercy and the compassion and the love and the provision and the life that we live. It's all on him. And when we build on him is the only time and the only place in all of the world where we'll know his blessing because we've done it, what? According to his design.
0: Thanks for joining us online today. We gather not just to sing songs and hear the teaching of Scripture, but we also gather so that we might be changed to live more like Jesus. Through our time today, we pray that you are challenged and encouraged to think about your own life and how you may or may not be living out Jesus' command to follow Him. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you seek to know God and what it means to live in relationship with Him. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can simply text your first name to 601-397-6111. Our ministry team would love to pray for you and help you in any way. You can also find reading plans and other resources to help you take next steps in your faith on our website, theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.